I am Judas Iscariot, a man of Kyrioth. Some people have taken my name to mean man of the lie or dagger bearer, an assassin, Sakari. I'll tell you more about that later. I was one of the 12. In fact, I was the treasure. But John called me a thief. I ask you, would a greedy and irresponsible man have been chosen treasurer? Sure, on occasion I needed some money for some of my own projects. But Jesus just kept wasting it. He wasn't wise in his use of money. I mean, once he allowed Mary to anoint his feet with precious ointment. And I objected. But it fell on deaf ears. In fact, uh, he praised her for it. It was after that that I decided to betray him. In fact, I was pretty resourceful. I, I made them name their price. I said, if I betray Jesus to you, what will you give me? 30 pieces of silver. Not bad for a loser like Jesus. Now, now, which one of you think that was a wise person when it came to money? I know what you're thinking. How could I? Especially for a bag full of coins. I suppose that after time, a person develops, you know, certain habits, certain vices. Maybe, maybe your 20th century philosopher Sartre got it right when he said, a man is what a man does. But can you blame me? I mean, that's just the way I was. Each person is entitled to a fault, I suppose. I guess I'll have to admit that mine was greed. I know a bit more about greed than I did then. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having things or even wanting them, but I wish I just hadn't wanted some things so much. But you, you can't be too hard on me. I know you 21st century Americans. You revel in the rich and famous. But like me, you don't ask whether the goal of getting rich is a good idea at what psychological or spiritual or relational cost it will be achieved. What ruthless or immoral means you'll have to use to get it. What good will be done with all this wealth? The only time you pay attention to greed is when it leads to criminal behavior or a divorce or, or an ulcer. In fact, your society encourages greed. Although I've noticed that people, they don't call it greed. They call it financial success, economic security, the good life, or having it all. You nurture greed the gospel of power and pleasure. But at what cost? At the cost of training the youth to be greedy and materialistic, to be less compassionate human beings. 
And your greed shows itself in different forms. You know, the, the cutthroat competitor, the workaholic, the embezzler, the miser, the gambler. Some of you even mortgage your present life to secure a future that you can never really secure. You see, I've learned a lot about greed, about avarice, about breaking the 10th commandment. You think criminals have a lot of time to think about their crime when they're in prison with other criminals? Well, you learn a lot about this stuff when you've been incarcerated in hell like me. And there's plenty of time for conversation. I've even learned that placing my hope and trust in money was idolatry. Ah, so maybe I was greedy. That still doesn't let Jesus off the hook. You see, it, it wasn't just money that made me do it. Look, all of the gospel writers, they call me the one who betrayed Jesus, the, the traitor. And did you ever notice that the gospel writers always put me last on the list of disciples? Yeah. But even the best of them wanted what I wanted. Power. We were all sympathetic to the Sicarii, to those who wanted to use military strength to overthrow Rome, who carried daggers under their cloaks for the first opportunity to assert their Jewish nationalism. Was I any different? Was I any more disillusioned than the others when, when Jesus, when he, when he turned out to be just another teacher who wanted to die? Look, there was Simon the Zealot, named after those rabble-rousers. And Peter, he rebuked Jesus. Remember? It was Peter who carried the sword and used it that night to, to slice off the ear of that Roman soldier. Sure, he called Jesus the Messiah. He called him the king. When I never called him anything more than a, than a teacher, a rabbi. But Peter still denied him when the government was getting ready to execute Jesus, the wimp. James and John, they wanted to be vice president and secretary of state. They were just as greedy for power. And anyway, Jesus promised that those who followed him, oh, they would be rewarded with material goods someday. All this talk about a glorious kingdom. What did he do to achieve it? Nothing. Nothing except to play with children, to talk with prostitutes, to dine with Roman tax collectors. He could have been king. When he spoke, the wind stopped. I mean, I really thought he was going to give it to those Roman soldiers when he rode into Jerusalem like a king. Peter and I, we would have died for him in battle. But he actually wanted to bless our persecutors. That's crazy. 
And so Paul was right on the night in which he was betrayed. He broke bread with us. And then he did what no self-respecting, powerful leader would do. He did what a slave would do. He washed our dirty feet. He even washed mine. What kind of king or president or premier is that? Who washes the feet of a man who is out to get him. And then he had the gall to tell us to do the same thing to others. Not fight, not repay evil for evil, but wash feet. So, so did I have any choice? I mean, I figured maybe it would force him to fight back if I did what I did. But then when the time came in the garden, he just stood there. He just stood there. And, and even, he even used his miracle-working power to repair that soldier's ear. And, and then... And then they lynched him. They lynched him. And he asked God to forgive them. Paul told the Corinthians that that the cross, the execution of a man who didn't commit the crime that he was accused of, that that cross is the power of God to save us. That power? Do you really believe that? Well, I deserve that prepayment of 30 pieces. And he deserved to die. I was the patriot. I loved my country. I loved my people. I didn't really love Jesus. But he knew that night. He knew. Everyone else was confused. But he knew, and he whispered to me to do it quickly. Get it over with. But first, he made his last appeal to me. It was as if he was warning me not to do it. It was as if grace was taking the the last attempt to hold me. Woe to that one who betrays me, Jesus said. And the... There was something different about that man. I mean, three years, at that point, three years of memories began to flood back into my mind. Had I made a mistake? No. No. I went ahead. Something just got into me. John says it was the devil, but I was determined. I mean, we, the the Jewish leaders and I, we had it all set for Gethsemane. With those Roman soldiers to help. It would be a kiss that would betray him. The sign of friendship. The greeting of intimacy. It was clever. The epitome of greed for power, using our friendship to get what I wanted. He taught us, don't treat money as if it's valuable in and of itself And don't use people as instruments to get it, but that's just what I did. 
I used him to get what I deserved. Like Midas, I touched Jesus with a kiss, and he became to me 30 pieces of gold. But then he startled me again. Judas, you would betray me with a kiss, he said. Look, his hand wasn't forced after all. My hope didn't pan out. He didn't fight back. But then, but then he never did. He never did. In this world, you know, you've got to defend yourself. You've got to fight back for what's yours. You've got to fight for your rights. I don't want to follow a man who tells me to turn the other cheek. I don't know about you. Maybe you just ignore what he says about that. But he took it seriously, dead seriously. You see, I never really was Jesus' man, never was. Sure, I looked like a disciple, but I didn't share his spirit. Somehow I think he knew that from the start, that I would betray him, I mean. But he called me, he called me anyway, he called me to be a disciple. Why did he do that? Did he have hopes for me? I mean, he certainly gave me enough chances. He approved my role as treasurer. He believed in me. I just never really believed in him. I think I knew what I would do, even if he hoped I wouldn't do it. But he didn't make me do it. He didn't make me do it. That was my decision. And God, or, or Jesus confirmed me in that decision. I went to the place of my own choosing in the end. After all, why would God choose us to force, force heaven on us if we choose differently? You know, for some of us, heaven is our hell. You know, I actually came to understand all this. I mean, I, I, I took that money back. I took it back. But they didn't care. They got what they wanted, and I was a nobody now, just a pawn in the game, hated, despised by both sides. In my greed, I hoped that I could purchase what pleased me. I sought material wealth, and I became spiritually poor. I sought power. And I ended up very weak. Take it from a failure. The one thing that's not going to cure greed is to feed it. It's like what you call edema. The thirst for riches just continues even though the person is wealthy. And even more wealth will not satisfy the thirst. It only creates more. I should have known. I should have known. I read Ecclesiastes. He who loves money can never have enough. He who wants too much can't sleep. We come into the world naked. We leave the world naked. Exactly as he came, so shall he go. What profit, what, what profit does he get when his labor is just for the wind? I should have known. I mean, my dad told me about Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel. He told me those stories. Some people will stoop to murder in order to satisfy their greed. But like Jezebel, self-destruction is the ultimate consequence. 
of that greed for power. So there was nothing to do but commit suicide. He wouldn't have given me another chance, would he? Would he? Did Jesus still love me? Would he have forgiven me as he forgave Peter? Would he? Am I beyond redemption? I mean, he washed my feet even though he knew.